0: 11. And so this is a parallel session we've been doing uh, the past few weeks. Uh, really, uh, uh, we've been following what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. We've been just working through that. And it, this is always interesting to me because here in Luke 11, Luke is recording a little bit more here at the beginning um, and said when Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John also taught his disciples. And I love this because it starts out with um, some part uh, for us to have the desire to want to be taught how to pray. It isn't something, you know, it's, it's very interesting. I think we all, if you've been doing Christianity for some amount of time, it's easy to put it on cruise control and feel like, I already know how to do this stuff. I already know. Like, what do you mean teach me how to pray? Right? Except that's exactly what these guys said. And it wasn't that prayer was completely foreign to them. Not at all. Right? As, as these guys who grew up in, in, in the Jewish faith But he's like, Lord, teach us, please teach us how to pray. And so this is the next verse. He said to them, Whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. And we've been going through these. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt. To us, And so you can go ahead and move on to the next slide right there. And so this is where we're landing today. If you're interested or you haven't been able to follow before, all of our sermons are online. You can go ahead and listen to those. But this is where we're landing today. And this has really been a fascinating time for me of just spending some time just contemplating and meditating and thinking and praying through this. Because, again, it's really easy to just go through and, and to just kind of say the words in front of us without them really sinking down deeply to our hearts. And we're talking about this concept of forgiveness, and I'm going to really ask us all to just take a second and slow down, right? Slow down what's going on in your head. Slow down what you're thinking about what's going on outside of here. We're, we're venturing into an area That is absolutely miraculous. This is an area that if we move too fast through this, we forget how incredible it is when we ask Jesus. When we're praying to our Father and we say, forgive us our sins. It is so easy to mindlessly go through that to where there's no heart connection. There's no, and again, I'm just sharing from, from myself, but I don't think I'm different than most of us. We really are. Um, man, we get so caught up in a world uh, that is going a thousand miles an hour and there's all kinds of drama going on and there's all kinds of, of pressures all over the place. And if we don't slow down long enough to, to understand when Jesus is teaching, our King is teaching us how to pray. He's teaching us how to do this and not to just memorize these verses and to go through them. But this is a new adventure every single day when we're praying through this framework that we call the Lord's Prayer. And so as we stop here, I want you to just contemplate the last time you spent some significant time with the heart of God. Just forgive me for my sin. I hope it calls to question a couple of things. Something should should sound a little bit off because when you're a disciple, you're going, but didn't he wash my sin away? Like when I was baptized into Christ, he washed my sin away once and for all. Except there's this interesting kind of paradigm, this this dichotomy that's going on, of this idea of you're completely washed of your sin and not yet at the same time. That, that may that may make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Because a lot of times we can go, no man, I remember, I, I remember, I remember June 22nd, 1997, that, that's where it all happened. That's where my sin was washed away and I didn't ever have to think about it again. And we've actually like created almost a theology in our world. To where it's like, don't go and look squarely at your sin because it's going to make you feel guilty and ashamed and it's going to make you feel bad. And we should look at those things. We should be looking at something different. In fact, though, the truth is, is the scripture teaches us something different. The scripture isn't that the scripture doesn't follow the narrative of our world. Right. We've made up a narrative that's like, man, you should, you, you should feel so guilty and so ashamed and so, yeah, right? And, and, and we've, we've kind of backed up from this really powerful idea. Um, but when was the last time? When was the last time that you just spent some time just taking some inventory? Forgive us our sins. And then the second part is, as we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. All right, I want you to let that, that sink in because this is hitting us on a number of different levels. You have you have a personal level that we may feel very put off, like, like I'm not about guilt and shame and all these things. And then there's another aspect of it is that Jesus is comfortable just going into a place that can be painful. All right, now, now consider this. Whether you're in agreement or not, we... Absolutely, live in a world that is like whatever we do, we want to make sure we avoid pain at all costs. All right, we we have like put pain together with there is something so wrong if this, if you're in pain right now. Except that's exactly where Jesus is going, right? I mean, there's this, there's this spectrum of forgiveness is required. There's like the petty things, and then there's the just absolutely unspeakable injustices and tragedies and all of these things that happen to, to us and to people we love and to, to families and to children and to all of these things, right? And Jesus is more than comfortable to go, we're going to dive into that pool, And don't buy what the world says when the world says, no, no, no. Listen, if something's painful, avoid it, you know, become humorous, become try to not think about it. Try to not do it. That's not the narrative we want to follow. Jesus is like, no, when we get into this realm of forgiveness, there's going to be some discomfort and there's going to be some pain and there's going to be these things. And he wants us to just, hey, stay put and take a deep breath. And, And that's there. Okay. Let's go ahead and hit the next slide. So as I was was studying this out, I thought to myself, you know, Jesus is very frustrating to me at times. And I think probably to all of us, okay? I wonder if Jesus were to be a preacher today, if he were to come in and he were to just read his own word to us, If we wouldn't think you, you want to know what? You are such a simpleton. You got like, listen, do you not understand? Like I've been going through and reading all kinds of different things about forgiveness for ourselves and forgiving other people. And the all of the absolute like, like wisdom we have in our day is exhausting to me. And none of it is found in the New Testament Right. I mean, I read an article where there had to be like 12 steps to go through before you can actually start forgiving somebody. And I'm, so I take that article and then I put Jesus word next to it. And I'm like, Jesus, what's your problem? <laughs> like, how come you're not telling me this? How come this person has so much wisdom, but you just say, hey, pray like this. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Like, can you give us a little more? But you know what's fascinating? I think Jesus is pretty okay with us being frustrated. I'm pretty sure he's okay with his guys being frustrated. I'm pretty sure that there was something about that that, you know, how else would he, like, he's going to teach him parables. Could you imagine the frustration And it's interesting, when he was asked about that, like, why do you teach him parables? It's that idea, because here's the deal, is if you want to follow me, if you want to learn from me, I'm not going to give you five answers that you're just going to be able to just regurgitate. You're going to have to put some skin in the game. You're going to have to dig in. You're going to have to think through this and apply your own heart. And if you just get frustrated with that and walk away, then you can't be my follower. Okay, this isn't just like, uh, you know, hey, let me come up and sit at the table where Jesus just feeds me oatmeal all day. It's this idea of going, no, man, it's we're big boys and big girls. and We can, you know, come up and think through these things. So you can go ahead and hit the first one. You can actually go through. I think there's three right there. In Matthew 6, 14, Jesus says, forgive others and I'll forgive you. Okay, I, I, let me just be honest with you. If I preach just that, I guarantee you, people would be like, "You want to know what Keith doesn't get? <laughs> is he doesn't understand that there's so much more to forgiveness. He doesn't understand that it's not that easy. He doesn't understand that like this is the problem with men preaching the word." <laughs> and I'm like, "But Jesus said it." And you go, "No, no, no. He must have given." You go, Jesus, if this is that that important, how come we know so much more than you right now? How come we know so much more? How come we do so much better? Right? You must forgive your brother from your heart, he says. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, he says you ought to forgive them. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now we're going, but Jesus, do you know people? Did you even know people like you can't just say that to people? Don't you know? Every one of this is hard, Jesus. Don't you know? Don't you know that this is difficult? Don't you know that it's just like you only need to just flip a switch and do this? Is that what you want? Maybe those are the conversations we should be having with Jesus. All right? And maybe, just maybe, we live in a time when we have so much like bought into the narrative of our world, which is like, no, 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 Jesus is a simpleton. We've figured out all of these other things. Except I think he's okay with our frustration. I think, when he, I think he meant it as a teacher, as a king, to go to his disciples and say, when you pray, do this. When you pray, do that. But Jesus, do you know what I've done? Listen, did you hear what I said? <laughs> when you pray, do it this way. Dig through this, okay? And so there's a part of it. We can wrap our arms around this and not have to always go and find every perfect answer but go, you know what? You know what makes Jesus one of the greatest, the greatest teacher ever are these verses right here is, hey, if you want to get to know me, you're going to need to put some time into my word. And you're going to need to put some time into really contemplating this. And you're going to have to practice this. It's really interesting because when we read, Jesus, as Jesus teaches, one of the things he says about a solid foundation is, isn't that we just understand his word. It isn't just that we like uh, like agree with his word. It's that we take his word and it becomes real and accurate in our lives, like we do what he's saying. He's he's telling us, man, this is the best way to live. I'm not telling you to go and forgive other people of things or to not look at your sin because your life is going to be worse. He's actually, no, I'm trying to help with this foundation that's so solid and so stable, but we, listen, we, we really are, like at our heart, at our heart level, so desperately We we overcomplicate almost, over theologize, if that's a word, overthink, over all of these things and going, man, if we were walking with Jesus and he said, hey, Keith, here's the deal. I said, Jesus, teach me to pray. He goes, okay, I'm going to teach you to pray. And he goes through that. And I'm like, what do you think he meant by that? (laughs) Meant to do it. And do it a lot and to think through it. And he knows that, hey, I gave people this brain and I gave people this nervous system and I gave people their relationships that that is like the perfect, like, soup to to just, like, just, you know, marinate in and kind of soak in, right? I mean, it's just, it's the perfect place, okay? I'm not sure what the next slide is, but you can hit that. you can see what are going I don't need to hold this anymore. So, anyway, all in all, this is really something that me and you, we, we've got to do, if we're going to understand this, is we have to understand that there's a, na- a narrative that our spiritual Christian world has written. Yeah. Okay? And that isn't always the narrative that Jesus has written. Okay? It just So just understanding that is there's stories that we tell ourselves. That's this narrative. There's stories we tell ourselves about things like forgiveness and forgiving others. And there's all of these things. And you can go ahead and see what's on the next one there. And, and we tell ourselves these stories that, well, forgiveness, if I do this, then that must be excusing people. And that must mean that you want me to just forget about it like it never happened. And, and that you want me to just not feel anything and just deny that. And I should just overlook it. And we get caught up in a narrative that you would never find in Scripture. And so it's really important to know the stories me and you are telling ourselves. The stories about these things, because those stories will come out as we talk with each other, as we try to, like, figure this out. That's why it's so important that we help each other to go, hey, I think you might be telling yourself a story that's not in the Bible. (laughs) Like, oh, man, all Jesus is saying is you should just deny your feelings. Well, Well, no, there's never doesn't say that. In fact, it's pretty healthy to go, hey, this is how I'm feeling right now, and it's just how it is. And I don't have to, I don't have to let it take over my life, but it is what it is right now. Forgiveness isn't about overlooking that or saying, oh man, no, making an excuse or forgetting or any of those things. Those are not narratives that we find in Jesus' teaching. So but here's what we do find is we see that forgiveness is an amazing act of faith. And and, and here's the deal is I do understand as we talk about this, this can sound incredibly callous depending on like the injustices that could have been done to us personally. It can sound like you're not even taking this seriously. Like you're just saying it's this amazing act of faith and it's so easy. And we have to understand something. That's not in any way, shape or form the way Jesus is approaching this, the way we're approaching this. But the truth of the matter is, is, is this is completely just a fact? Forgiveness is an amazing act of faith. Forgiveness strengthens us. Forgiveness is a part of God's healing process. Forgiveness leads us to God's refuge. Right when you read the Psalms, I know some, a number of us are reading, reading the Psalms through the the twenty one day fast and. The number of times that David or somebody else talks about, God, you're my refuge and my fortress and my stronghold. You're all those things. He's not just making up neat words. He's saying, no, actually, you are that. I feel completely and 100% protected in your refuge. And we start to see that God is calling us to that. Okay. This is a great quote. Forgiveness is the key which unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. We forgive someone of a wrong they've done us when we decide that we will not make them suffer for it in any way. So here's the first thing is we have to be aware of what, what my story is, what I'm telling myself about this idea of God forgiving us and us forgiving others and get rid of all of the false narrative. And the only way we do that is by being in the word of God. Is by, I mean, that truly is repentance. Is I'm changing the way I'm thinking and I'm adopting God's thought process and the way he thinks. Um, and, and so here's the thing is me and you have to work on this, I think, is to be self-aware. Like the starting point, to be self-aware. Forgive us our sins. Like God says, this is how I want or Jesus said, this is how I want you to pray. You know, and he goes through this, forgive us our sins. It's easy to point out, we could probably have a field day, is name three things, or three sins, or three something, by somebody else in this room. And, and man, almost all of us go, I know, I know three of other people but, but how often we're self-aware and we're taking enough time to think through and go, you know what, today, and I, I'm not even talking about, like, this big picture, like, of my whole life, but just today. When, when did I behave in a way? When did I... Not love in a way that Jesus would have. When did I? When did I sin? When was I, you know, disrespectful? When was I impatient? When? When, when did I lie? Or when did I, you know, of having enough self awareness? And oftentimes those are the reasons that I think. Just at the end of the day, of just taking an inventory on, hey, what happened today? What happened of being self aware? Right is is be aware of the plank in our own eye. And those are the things that we know, like our ears understand them. But again, we're talking about the practice of these things. Because again, it's very easy to look at one another, for you guys to look at me and go, man, you know what the problem is? Here's the problem. And and I'm here to help you. And I know for me, historically, I can go through this and I can go, okay, forgive us our sins. Father, forgive me my sin. Forgive us as Clemson Foothills Church, our sins. And, 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 and I just picture this. Jesus going, okay, stop right there. What are you talking about? What do you mean by that? Like, what, what are you saying? Are you just saying? Because the, the, it's not the words. It's this idea of truly unlocking us. And so if Jesus were to go, hey, hold on a minute. Stop like What are you saying to me when when you're asking me to forgive your sin? What are you asking of me? And why are you asking it? Again, everything that I've been learning, and I, I keep hearing this because I think you guys are learning this too, is how often we must, just on the inside, slow the engine down a little bit. Right? We've been talking about reclaiming our time, and I hope that, that we begin seeing, going, how do I have time for all of this? How do I have time to pray this way? How do I have time to have self-awareness? How do I have time and still like live in my life? And I think like the light bulb is going off, which is like, oh man, the hours on social media and the hours on TV and all of these things, these things are crowding out the very thing that me and you need, which is time. Hmm. to go, man, who am I really? Is Jesus, like, have, have have I truly been making decisions and living and loving the way Jesus does, right? What are the things going on in my life? I'm just throwing out some questions, but these are helpful to me. What are the things going on in my life that I don't want to share with other people? What are those things, right? And so we've got to kind of nail this part of it of slowing down and being self-aware. Right, that's like that first part. So you can go ahead and take a look at what this next one says. So th- this to me is, is like huge. Our, our difficulty with forgiveness, particularly for others, is a direct indicator of the majesty and grandeur in which we view God. So here's the thing is there's there's a number of different kind of voices that will be speaking inside of our heads when it comes to, okay, God, I can be on board being self-aware and coming to you humbly, forgiving my sins, you know, and being there as I forgive others. The same way you forgave me is that I forgive others. There can be all kinds of like competing voices. One of them that might be the loudest is you might be telling yourself right now, oh, I've forgiven everybody. And I mean that in a completely, like, the same attitude, okay? If you have to have a defensive attitude, please examine your heart, okay? Because there's a reason you're defending it, right? Because, again, if we want to avoid pain, I don't want to go down this road, I don't want to go down this road. And so so we can just, we can kind of play like, let me put my head in the ground. Oh no, I don't have anybody to. When the truth of the matter is, when we're at that place, you want to know what? Defensiveness isn't what comes out. Peace is what comes out. Okay, so just understanding kind of our temperature here. Okay, so there's that idea. Um, You know, in a lot of ways it can be uh, just, have you ever done this before? Let me not put this on you, okay? Have you ever done this before, though, where you're like, okay, I'm going to forgive Pat. Okay, let's say Pat did something, okay? Pat offended me in some way. Pat, you know, didn't, whatever. And and I can and, and I can know, okay, you know, I need to forgive Pat. That wasn't even a huge deal, but it was really kind of getting under my skin. You ever had anybody get under your skin before? <laughs> like, it just kind of gets under your skin. You go, okay, yeah. But I'm going to let him know without words. Yeah, I'm going to go, man, I forgive, Pat, like Jesus forgave me and I forgive you. But I'm going to let you know I don't. I'm going to let you know, I'm going to give you the silent treatment, right? I'm going to give you all those things. I mean, I, I, that happens so often in the church, right? And it's just this idea of weakness, this completely forfeit forgiveness, Right? It is, it's just that idea because, because in order for us to truly forgive, we've got to have an understanding and a depth in our relationship with God to know that, man, I am a child of the greatest king. My Lord is perfect. I am 120% Peaceful. And that allows me to forgive others and not have to come back on that and not have to run away from that. Okay. see what that next one says. So turn over to Psalm 23. This this to me is what has brought this all together. This, this right here. And I do want you to hear what Jesus is calling us to, which is honesty. Because here's the interesting thing about the world, about the kingdom of God, about all these things is what's inside will come out. Absolutely. There's no doubt. What is inside will come out. All right. It will come out sometimes on social media. It will come. sometimes come out of gossip. It will sometimes come out of slander. It will sometimes come out of all of those things, right? And so entering into this with honesty, because if there's like this facade we're going to put up and kind of just go on past this and harbor bitterness and envy and jealousy and all these things towards our brothers and sisters, believe me, it will come out. Right? And, and, and our lives are going to be absolutely miserable. But Psalm 23 the, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't lack anything. Okay. This is right here, this guy, David. For me to slow down and to begin contemplating, like, okay, um, as we're called to forgive one another. It's almost impossible if I don't take this attitude because then I've got to defend myself. I've got to stand my own ground and I've got to hold on to all of the hurts and all these things. But when the Lord is my shepherd and I don't lack anything. So so ask yourself that in life right now, do you feel like you're lacking something? Are you lacking money? Are you lacking a particular relationship? Are you lacking, um, you know, justice? Are you lacking different things? Okay, because we got to put it directly up against this and go. Hold on a minute. In Christ, me and you don't lack anything. And when you don't lack anything, right? I mean, it's just you're you're in peace. I don't lack anything. Oftentimes when we've been hurt or, or, or sinned against or something like that, we feel like, no, I'm not going to be okay with this until I get justice. I'm lacking justice. No. We aren't lacking justice. We don't lack anything. Right? The Lord is my shepherd. We don't lack anything. He lets me lie down in green pastures, okay? So, man, as a sheep, that just is like, I'm safe. He lets me lie down in these beautiful green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I'm just reading this and going, oh, my goodness. Man, David, I just, I, I need... I need to hear from David on these things because his mindset and his frame of reference is so good because there's this idea of going, nothing I could get from the world can possibly come close to what I have now and here. Like there isn't anything, nothing can tempt me away. Nothing can be more important. Nothing can make me like want to, it's just, oh boy, I don't lack anything. There's this beautiful green pasture that, that our Lord, our shepherd is like, hey, you can, you can lie down here because I'm here with you because it's safe because you're not in danger. And you can go by these quiet waters and again, you're safe because I'm here. Like this idea of being in the presence of God. Right, I'm here. And when, and then on top of that, when we've had like this really honest conversation about me and him and all the stuff that that I've got to deal with in my life between me and God, then it's like, oh man, this is, I can't believe you're letting me do this. Like you're letting me lay down here and I'm safe. and but But I'm like telling you these areas that I am just like blowing it in and falling short in and he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He renews my life. Okay, here's the interesting thing is when my mindset is not this, I am just like faithless, uh, bitter, angry, cranky, like all of these things and going, hold on a minute, he, he renews my life. Now you may go, well, Keith, this is Psalm 23, this is David saying this. Like, could we argue that God in fact doesn't renew our life? Is that an argument we could make? Could we go through the scripture and go, nah, that renewed renew my life. Because he's like, no, I gave you my Holy Spirit, my very self inside of you. That is like this spring of water where me and you will never hunger or thirst. Like there isn't anything in this world that we go, you know what? It's better there. Man, if I were to have this one thing, it'd be better. Man, I gotta go and find something that's gonna make my life really, really, really good. And see, this is what confounds the world when they see the kingdom of God. It's the world should go... Why are there people giving up their dreams? Because the world is saying, man, you'll only be able to like really enjoy life when you absolutely have everything you need. So by the way, you better you better have that degree and you better have those grades and you better have that job and you better have that money and you better have that notoriety and you better have all of those things. That's what the world is saying is like spectacular and what life is all about, except this is completely different. This is truly that idea of, man, you want to know what? whatever I have to do. God, you want me to do the McDonald's ministry? I'm there. Right? You, whatever you want me to do. You want me to work for the city? You want me to work for whatever it is? And you know, and, and people in the world are going, you're crazy, man. What, how much money did you pay for your degree? Hey, let, let me just tell you, man, I have a couple of pretty decent degrees, and they never have once, for one second, at one iota of a moment in my life made me feel any better about myself. Never. And you know what? This idea in my head, you know, as, man, okay, hey, you know, some hot shot that gets to work for, like, a university with, like, athletes that are famous and all that kind of stuff, and you get your head, and your narcissistic head, that people actually care who you know? (laughs) We're the only people that care who we know. Okay? It's that idea. You know, this week, me and Ben, man, we had a great time at at Starbucks, and and we're sitting there, and and so Ellie has gotten me so into Clemson basketball, I mean, I love it. I can't tell you how, this is brand new for me as an almost 50-year-old, and so we're going to the games, we're loving it, all this kind of stuff. Me and Ben are sitting at Starbucks, and here comes, you know, a player for the Clemson basketball team, and I'm like man, I need to get a picture, send it to my, my, my daughter, <laughs> okay, I need to get a picture with him, and so here's the interesting thing, you know, I'm thinking, man, that's pretty cool, we got to meet, you know, R.J. Godfrey, man, he's this freshman, he's really neat, and super kind, and treated us just so nicely, and all these things, and, and you know, in our minds, we'll even think like, you know, people must think that's really cool, then, that me and Ben met him you wonder what no one cares <laughs> no one cares okay for real but there's this idea inside of us that's like if I could know someone famous <laughs> and I could and they knew me back my life would be so good <laughs> you know except you wonder what no one cares <laughs> There's not a soul that cares except for you. There's no one going, man, did you hear? Keith and Ben, they met RJ. <laughs> okay, maybe you did, but you did not because you thought it was like, man, Keith and Ben, their life is awesome. <laughs> and, and, and I say all that because, again, there is so much we grasp for. And we're like, man, he renews my life. My job has never renewed my life. School has never renewed my life. None of these things have. He leads me along right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the dark valleys, I fear no danger because you're with me. All right? That, that's just a beautiful place to be. Right? If we hadn't like spent some time going, hold on a minute, why would I not be afraid when it is scary? And, and I'm not just talking about, you think of all of the things me and you get scared of. Right? So, as, as you get older, you get scared of like, am I gonna have any money to retire? Or am I gonna be just like, you know, whatever? When you're younger, you're like, am I ever gonna get married? Is anybody out there? There's no, all these things. And I'm scared to death of that. And in either case, going, you know what? I don't have to be scared of any of that. Because fear makes me speed up my thought process, fear makes me panic. Fear makes me make decisions that aren't good decisions. But when we're in this, like, valley of, like, here's the green pasture, but he's like, no, man, there's this dark valley, too. But we're like, man, we can we can say that. Like, that's the beautiful thing of being a, a disciple. It's going, we don't have to be afraid. But we're going, well, why don't you have to be afraid? Because he's with me. You, you start to see this idea of, God and Jesus and his followers are just all enveloped around the presence of God. He's here. That's why. Wherever we go, he's there. He's inside of us. He's around us. He's speaking to us. His word is here. And that's meant to just go, man, you all know what? This is great. But, but Keith, what about that person that really did you wrong? What about the person that slandered you? What about the person that did this? What about all that kind of stuff? Like, really? Man, I'm laying in green pasture. Right? I mean, I'm like, there's quiet waters. Don't mess up my quiet waters. Like, I'm not scared of dark things because of the presence of God. So what about all that? Forgiveness. this. Right? There's no, two, there's no, like, 10-step plan for it. It's this idea of getting ourselves to this place of, it isn't about me, and it's not about what happened, and it's not about the injustice. It's a, it comes back to the presence of God. And is, is this our reality? Is this really true? He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Okay? That'd be great. Can you imagine what kind of table do you think God would prepare all right, probably not happy meals. Probably not just a little bit. Like, but he's like, no, even in front of my enemies. Like there's no reason to battle and fight. My cup, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Right? You, you see, uh, this is a reality. This is a reality when we're in Christ and we have his Holy Spirit. This is a reality. And we can be thinking of this entirely different narrative that we need more, we don't have enough, we need to be scared of everything. We can't really trust God to take care of things. That's a miserable place to be. But he's saying, no, the Lord is our shepherd and we don't like anything and we're next to to quiet waters and we're lying down in green pastures and our cup is overflowing and only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me. Okay. All of us in here. Okay. Are going, that ain't true. That, that, that ain't true. Well, here's the thing is, is what, what, what do, what will we set our minds on? That's really what it comes down to. What am I going to set my mind on? Am I going to set my mind on the idea of goodness and faithfulness will follow me my entire life? Or the idea of going, man, this world stinks, and it's hard, and people are jerks, and I'm a victim, and all of these different things. Instead of going, no, actually, you know, we tend to find what we look for. We really tend to find what we look for. There was a story about a guy, and he was... Going into a new town, and before I got into that town, up at the top of the hill, there was a guy standing there, and and uh, and he said, "Hey, what kind of people? What kind of people live in that town?" And he said, "Well, what kind of people lived in the town where you came from?" Hmm. And he said, crooks and thieves and bullies and all these kind of people." And he's like, "Yep, you'll find those people down there." Another guy came in and said, "Same thing. Who lives down there?" And the guy said, "Well, who who lived where you came from?" And he said, "Man, kind." generous serving people you're going to find those people that way because we tend to find what we're looking for we tend to to find that thing Mm -hmm. right and so when Jesus said this is how you should pray this is how you should pray, forgive us our sins like this is right there, we can spend so much time, and I don't mean I mean beautiful time and just for God, let's just talk Please forgive me. Please guide me. Please teach me. And then there's things, there's people to forgive. And we can can be talking about these things, but this idea of, is my Lord this beautiful, and this powerful, and this peaceful, and this present, right? It's it's really, is that my Lord? Because if it's not, it's going to become very difficult for your people. It's going to become really, really difficult. Let's look at the last slide. I love this quote. I use it often. The problem with Christianity is not that it's been tried and found wanting, but that it's been found difficult and left untried. <laughs> okay is is listen nothing unlocks the doors of theology and philosophy and sociology and all of the ologies okay like a great sermon on forgiveness except there's really only one thing is that I'll do what he's asking we'll practice this and we'll practice it together and we'll practice it on our own and we'll be taking this and we'll be learning as teachable apprentices, like learning and trusting that God, you're asking me to do this because you're good and you're perfect and you're loving and you love us. That's why you're telling us this. Right? Or it could just be this entire kind of, we can have conversations about how this is unrealistic and it can't really happen and we're... Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to nine four zero 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 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.